Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Praxis Pedagogy Podcast. We are here on location at the famous BCIT. Yep. And uh, we just had an awesome meeting. <clears throat> I'm getting all emotional. It's, it's either that or the pizza. But anyway, um, yeah, we just had a great meeting with the Open Ed Working Group here at BCIT. Yeah, it was pretty exciting. And there must have been what? I'm just counting the chairs. Two, four, six, eight, oh, about 15 of us, yep. 16 of us, which is fantastic. That's a massive turnout. Mm-hmm. And um, all things considered, they are moving in a awesome direction with their Open Ed stuff. Yeah, it's pretty exciting to see an institute so get behind Open and really start to push forward on it. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's neat to be part of that, and it's exciting to be part of that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. All right, so, Chad, this is your episode. Mm-hmm. I I get to sit in the co-pilot seat and eat pizza this time, which <laughs> well, I'm going to do. Much like I tell my students, I'm sorry, Tim, but this is going to be an interactive session. So it's not just me going on a lecture for half an hour and then what? saying, sorry, Tim, can you just wrap that up for us, please? And what? I got pizza to eat, man. Right, anyway, well, I'll try to, I'll try to chime in when I can. If you Here could, we go. <laughs> if you could. That's like a pizza sandwich you got going on there. That's awesome. And I'll make make you talk. So this week, we're talking about a pedagogy of kindness. And what this comes from is a post that I saw on Twitter. And then I opened up and read. And it's from Hybrid Pedagogy. And we will put the link in the show notes. It is definitely worth the read. It's by Catherine Denial. And she talks a lot about how her pedagogy is now informed by a pedagogy of kindness. So what I've done is I've kind of, as we like to do here at Praxis Pedagogy, is split it into three parts. So the three acts, I've got, sorry, go ahead. Part one. Part one. Boop. <laughs> yeah. Boop. my pizza again. We're going to cover a definition mm. of kindness. We're going to talk. Then we're going to talk about bringing the game. And then we're going to end with the, uh, the king is dead, long live the king. So we'll go into that in a bit. That's amazing. Isn't it? Right then. And that's everything, everybody. I just <laughs> got three good titles and there's nothing <laughs> I can. <laughs> we're done. Shut it down. More pizza. So let's, let's hit into a, a definition of kindness. This is also the first time we've actually done an episode together face-to-face. Praxis Pedagogy, yeah. Praxis Pedagogy, yeah. We've done uh, many other episodes of the Guild face-to-face. Yes, we have, but we won't talk about that podcast on this podcast. because It's not about that podcast. It's not about that. No. And we should mention that we're both rocking two awesome mics for the first time. Yes, our our twin mics are finally meeting each other for the first time. Awesome. It's good. It's clean fun, though. It is good clean fun. But anyways, we're going down rabbit trails (laughs) as we go down rabbit trails all the time. So what I'm starting with is when I first started teaching, just to give a little story, I was basically told, um, and this is the same goes from when I was a journey person and going into training apprentices, that number one thing you need to know when training or teaching is you are not their friend. And that you are in charge, you're in control, and you need to maintain that control and maintain all that. And so when it comes to my pedagogy, that's something that I was kind of trained up in is the fact that, you know, we are the leaders. And we've talked about this before in other episodes. We were the, uh, you know, the sage from the stage and our students were there to kind of take in the information that we've given them. And what Catherine Denial talks about in this episode or in her article is about how that's not really a pedagogy informed by kindness, though it can be if you integrate it in there and you're mindful about it, but it's more of a pedagogy of control. And so how we need to kind of shift that idea of kindness and shift that idea of control to one of kindness. And so what I want to start off with is just our definition of kindness and how often we try to get the, um, we get the definition of kindness and we kind of think of it as like being nice or, you know, having a, a, pedagogy of niceness and how those can be two very different things 
and I'm going to wait for you to finish what you got going on there, but how would you d define kindness there, Carson? Sorry, I'm just really enjoying my pizza right now. It looks good. It is. It tastes good, too, especially when it's doubled up like that as a sandwich. Mm -hmm. Dude, it's awesome. All right. Um, you know what I need, though? I need a Coke. Oh, that'd be good. That'd be really good. Anyway, squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> the question was, how do I define kindness? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good question. Um, I would define kindness as acts of benevolence towards somebody. Mm -hmm. And and some people would say, okay, so you, can you only do it towards somebody? Can you not do acts of kindness to yourself? Yes. So yeah. I, would, I would include that. Acts of benevolence to yourself or to others. Okay. That's fair. Now, now is, how would that be different than just being nice to somebody? Would you say that that's the same thing? No, no, because I think... I, well... I think there could be layers to this, right? So if I'm nice, I can be cordial. Yep. I, I can be, uh, I can be politically correct in a certain situation. And I don't know if I would put nice in the same category as being politically correct necessarily, but being nice means I'm being cordial. I'm being polite. I'm being, um, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, so you made me think. <laughs> I feel like pepperoni way, in my teeth. Um, like trying to make somebody feel good in the situation. Would well, you? no, I mean probably more comfortable mm. than good. Okay, I, I think there's a difference there between being comfortable and being good. Yeah, because uh, I don't necessarily believe that when you're trying to make somebody feel better, that it's necessarily all about their comfort. Right. And me and my wife have a, have a often have often talked about this even in our own relationship that. We are. We have the ability to say things to each other, uh, in and out of arguments, mostly in arguments, but we make up for it later. But the issue is, is that we ha we have this tendency to just call a spade a spade, mm -hmm. and we're not doing it to be hurtful. We're doing it to expose the wound necessarily. Okay. And and that's not always a good feeling. Right. Right. Yeah. But it's necessary. Yes. And in some ways, that's an act of kindness. Yes. So that's different than being nice. Being nice would be like me going to a party for the first time and I don't know half the people there and I'm okay with that. But just walking around the room, shaking hands, yep. getting to know names, small conversation, just being nice, not yep. being a total jerk, sitting in the corner, eating my pizza, nobody look at me, don't talk to me. And then looking at my watch and want to leave. Sorry, I'm getting all emotional. <laughs> um, so I need a Coke within the next 10 minutes or so. So that's how I would, def that's how I would... <coughs> That's how I'd place a distinction between being nice and being kind. I love it. And that's exactly where I was going with that, is the fact that I think when we talk about this pedagogy of kindness and being kind to our students, you might get some pushback from some educators that would say, well, we can't be nice to them all. There's stuff that has to happen. Right. And I think what you're saying, with the, like sometimes there's going to be some tough conversations. And I love the oh, example you gave with yeah. you and Marika, exposing those wounds and talking about them. And we have to do that with our students. I'm not being kind to my student if he's or she is just showing up and not doing the work and I just, you know, I'm nice to them, mm -hmm. but I'm not pushing them. And sometimes I need to sit down and call them in my office and have that tough conversation saying, you know, we need to push harder or what's going on or having a, like a conversation to find out what's happening. Right. And that would be kindness. Yeah. No, and, I would agree. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's where we see a lot of pushback is where you can't be nice to everybody. And I totally agree. You can't be nice. We shouldn't be nice. We're not helping anybody out by being nice all the time. So being kind, however, is a whole other ball of wax and it's something that we need to consider and have those tough conversations. And it, I think, honestly, to truly be kind needs to be challenging as well. It needs to be challenging for us. We need to step outside of our comfort zones as instructors to be kind. And that means having those tough love conversations. And it also means 
pushing our students and getting them to step out of their comfort zones. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of that conversation you and I have had, but also I know that other people have had around this whole issue of what does it mean to be critical mm-hmm. in our pedagogy or even in our lifestyle, right? And so it just, it means it means so much more than just being, you know, critical in the sense that you're putting it down and you're elevating yourself above it. Yeah. Right. And so when you're when you're saying a pedagogy of kindness, I don't I, I want to say it's more holistic. Yep. Right. Um, and I guess we could probably we could probably go there and say that. Yeah, that's it's probably true in a sense that it's very holistic that way. Um, but for, in a, like I, I would even delineate a pedagogy of kindness as being di- kindness is different than grace. OK. Right. You want to so, unpack so, that a bit? So whenever whenever somebody asks me like what do you mean by grace like so when somebody has shown me grace what does that really mean well grace is unmerited favor mm-hmm. right and I guess you could make an argument that kindness is kind of along the same lines is right. that it's unmerited to a degree um, but I think I think grace goes a little deeper than this idea of kindness and how I've delineated between nice and kindness and that there's grace underneath that in the sense that even <laughs> Even in even in the sharpest moments of pain, you can still show grace to somebody. Okay, yep. But you're not always going to necessarily show kindness, right? If that makes sense. Yep. And so I don't want to I don't want to pigeonhole it too much, but I often think of kindness being in that um, cognitive, emotional realm, so the mind and the attitude realm. Mm-hmm. And I see grace as more of a a heart issue or a core value or or a or a guiding principle idea. Okay. Right. And I mean, it's, it's up for debate because it's so great. The scale yeah. is so wide. Right. But that's kind of, that's personally how I separate the two. So I can be nice to somebody. I can show kindness to somebody, but I can also be graceful to somebody. So they're almost different levels. Like almost I think like there's a, being I think, nice yeah. would be a superficial level. Being kind is something that goes a little deeper than that and kind of gets out of the comfort. Mm-hmm. And then grace is something that kind of even digs a little, like, like you said, the heart. Yeah, I think, I think, I think being, I wouldn't say nice is superficial because you can still be authentic, authentic in it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But superficial in the sense that it's, that's it's only on the surface. Right. Right. Yeah. And whereas kindness is, is under, under that surface, but it's not deep tissue stuff. Right. Right. And so, um, because I, I, for lack of a better term, because I put it into that emotional realm. Kindness can ebb and flow. Right. Right. Um, and yes, you choose to show kindness or not. And yes, you can still choose to show grace or not. Right. But often when we see large acts of forgiveness, for instance, between one person and another, mm-hmm. to me, that's a major demonstration of grace. Yes. Yeah. Not kindness. Okay. Right. And, and there's, an, there's an example that I, ju- I watched on the YouTube, which I hardly, oh, sorry, not the YouTube, the, the Facebook. Because I watch YouTube a lot, but I don't watch the Facebook very often. Because I don't like the, I don't like Facebook anymore. Honestly, I'm, well, I'm with you. We can have a whole episode about social media. Yeah. I think we should discuss that. Yeah, we probably should. Yeah. Anyway, I was watching this thing on there, and this guy was, you know, how in victim statements in court, the uh, the court gives um, an opportunity for relatives of the victim to yeah. say things to the to the to now the convicted. They're not just the accused, but now that the, they're the convicted. Yeah. And so I watched this one where this guy, uh, his brother was shot because this police officer, was she, was she a police officer? 
We'll say she was a peace officer because right. it was in the States. And so there's different ranges there. So yeah. it wasn't like she was police, but she was a peace officer. I'll go that far. And the, the gist of the situation was is she went into an apartment and she, he was there and she thought that she was in her apartment. Right. But she wasn't. And I don't know how that all unfolded and it's irrelevant to the point. The point is, is that he, he forgave her. And wanted nothing but the best for her. In fact, he even said out loud, I don't I don't even think I want you to go to jail. Wow. Right? And I mean, and was he hurting? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Was he mourning the loss of his brother and everything that goes with that? Yes, absolutely. But that's not kindness. No. That goes that's deep. That's deep, right? That's soul. That's core. Yeah. Right. And so when I, when I hear or see or experience things in that realm, to me, that's the difference between kindness and grace. Well, I wonder as going back to like pedagogy, then I think we, I think we owe it to our students. It's merited to them that we are kind to them. Right. And I think yeah. we have to, mm-hmm. but how do we go deeper? And maybe we need to, it's something that we need to strive for is to go deeper to that grace moment with our students. Cause there's going to be times where they, they mm-hmm. need that grace, where they do things that aren't mm-hmm. acceptable. And how do we, like, if we show that grace to them, how powerful that can be. Like you just telling that story is so powerful. Yeah. So I don't know if I would say I start at a level of grace, but it, it was cemented for me again when I was reading that book, An Urgency of Teachers. Mm -hmm. And I can't remember the author. I'll look it up and put it in the mystical show notes. But, um, and maybe it was, maybe it was Jesse Strommel. It probably was. Yeah. Um, who said, Always start at 100% trusting yes. your student. Yep. And then and then see what happens. Yes. And uh, and and I was kind of already practicing that to a certain degree. I didn't have a label for it like he did. Yep. Um, but it, it, it stuck out to me because I'm like, ah, that's what I do, right? Yep. So I would often say to my students, especially at, a, at an exam time or even at a practical time, right? Mm-hmm. So we're in the shop floor, we're doing practicals. I would say to them, you all start at 100%. Yep. And whatever you want to give back to me, I'm more than happy to take. Yep. Right? I don't necessarily feel that way when it comes to being grace filled to people or being kind to people, but I will, meaning whatever you're willing to give back, I'm more than happy to take. I don't right. want to take it, but I'm willing to start at that place of massive trust mm-hmm. and, and see what happens with that because right. it makes me more comfortable. I believe it makes me a better teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes me a better facilitator. And I think it's easier to deal with issues when you're already that deep. Yep. I don't know. I'm maybe I'm, I'm I'm just spewing a little bit here, but for me, it's it's I always like starting at that deep level, uh-huh. and then if they want to slowly walk out of the pool, that's their choice. This is a perfect segue into part two. Bring the game. Do it. Um, like how are like Bring how, it. how would you? Uh, Bring the game. How would this all play out? Like the idea of kindness and grace. And that's a great example. And to bring back the Jesse Stommel example, and it's funny that you mentioned that one, because he talks about how we need to believe our students and believe in our students. And we'll talk about mm. the believe in our students. That's going to lead into the king is dead. We'll get to that. But believing our students is a humongous step. And I think that's one of the first things that we can do with our, our students. And it's just an easy act of kindness is when mm. our student comes to us, and tells us, I worked really late last night. I got in at 2 a.m. and I'm so sorry I'm late. Mm-hmm. Just letting it go. Don't even have to explain it. Like some some of the stuff I read and I'm just starting to embrace more of my own 
practice and pedagogy is if our students are having a family issue, they don't need to explain that to me. All mm. they need to do is have some, we have need to have a system in place. I'm still trying to figure out how to do that where they don't need the, the stress of, oh, now I got to tell my instructor that this, and you know, they, they get themselves bound up into this whole thing. Like, and I understand we need to teach them responsibility, mm -hmm. but at the same time, I think we need to provide a safe place. Cause if we can provide a safe place for students to come to, then they're going to learn better. If that makes oh, more yeah. sense. Oh, it totally makes sense. Yeah. So, and Jesse Stommel talks about how instead of these people that are always and there's this, there was this one posting about this dear student where these teachers, basically it's a, it's a forum where teachers go to rant about their students. Oh, I hate that. Oh, it's awful. And so he is right against it. And so he went on this one. It's it's called Dear That's that's in the Chronicle of Higher Education. That's the one. If I want to call anybody out. Yeah. I hate that column. So he uh he actually wrote an article about that and about how, you know, there's people complaining about oh their grandfather died again. Well what if their grandfather did pass away this time? Like why don't we just go from there just believing them and work from there? Like what do we have to lose at the end well, of it? It's 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 <laughs> That's exactly right. I don't want to. I don't want to jump in too much, but it's like, so what? So what if he's got six grandfathers? Yeah. In fact, it's probably telling you something that he's using the same lie because he doesn't. He or she, for lack of a better term, they. Yeah. Don't feel comfortable telling you the right, the, the real reason. Yes. So they're making up some lame excuse. Yeah. Everybody knows it's lame. The person even telling you knows that it's lame. Yep. Yeah. But they don't feel comfortable telling, and they shouldn't feel comfortable all the time. No, I mean I don't want to know everything that goes on in my students' lives. No, right? I mean, right now I've got, I've got ninety students over three classes. Mm -hmm. Right? If I start getting deep into their lives, I'm going to be an emotional wreck when I go yep. home and have to deal with my own family. Exactly. Well, I had a student yesterday come up. He said, "Oh, I'm, I'm not going to be here next Friday." As, and I just left. I said, "Thanks for letting me know, George. That's that's good." He's like, he looked all awkward. He's like. Do you need to know why? I was like, nope. I said, the fact that you told me a week in advance, I really appreciate that. I don't need to know the why. Just I'll make sure that you get caught up or make sure you talk to your table mates about what needs to be there. Mm -hmm. Why do we need these doctor's notes? And why do we need these explanations from them? Why can't we just show them the respect of like they've got a reason for it? And if we show that trust, then maybe they're going to start actually working like towards that trust. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Oh, sure. Yeah. Right. Well, I, th I think you started to place a deficit. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And you start a place of deficit and control. And when you lose control, what have you got left? you got a place of deficit. Yeah. Right? And that's it. Yeah. But if you start from a place of abundance and, and autonomy, well, I'm, I mean, this is adult education for crying out loud. Yeah. Right? And I know that we get people in our classrooms, whether it's on the academic side of the house or, or the tech side of the house. I know we get students in our class, learners, adults in our class that still act like they're 12 years old. That's right. I get it seen it we've done what we've dealt with it for yep. decades yeah right get it we've got them in our house yeah yeah we, we have <laughs> right? teenagers yeah we get it yep but i'm not throwing my son out the door because he gives me a lame excuse no exactly right. and they're not they're not the rule they're the exception yeah like honestly i've got a class of 16 students i will have maybe, maybe you get one cheater mm -hmm. so why do we need to treat them all like they're cheaters and, and treat them all like that that whole thing of deficit yep. right like that's we need to approach them with the respect. I think the kindness comes with the respect. Yeah. So the respect is there until they've proven that they've lost it. Mm -hmm. But really, I mean, it, I think honestly, it has to take a lot for them to lose that. Oh yeah. I, I think it does. And you know, on the other side of it, I don't, I, you know, I know institutions have policies for a reason and I know that they have to have guidelines for a reason because you know what happens when something crazy goes sideways and they got to figure stuff out. I get that. Yeah. I, 
I know that there's got to be systems in place to deal yeah. with those oh, issues, yeah. right? The problem I have is when an instructor for no clear reason lands on a on a position that just doesn't make sense yep. outside of it's my classroom. They'll do whatever I want them to do. It's their hill, their battle. And they're going like, to die on that one. And it's ridiculous. It's like the cell phone stuff, right? It's like, I won't allow students to bring cell phones into the class. And if I see it, I'm going to take it. I'm like, what is this grade five? Yeah. Yep. Right. And first of all, like if I was in your class and I had my cell phone and you said, give me your cell phone, I would say no. Yeah. M- probably not in nice language like that. <laughs> not that I would swear my head off, but, um, no, you're not having my phone. Yeah. Go away. Yep. Right? And yeah, it just it just boggles my mind. But the the whole the whole idea of pedagogy of kindness to me, I, and I was wondering where this episode was going to go because I didn't bring notes. I'm flying without a net. You are. Right? You are. Which is a little crazy for me. Very but, much so. I appreciate it. <clears throat> I'm trying to live a Chad lifestyle right now. <laughs> um, but it's um it's interesting where this has gone because it's not where I thought it would have gone. Where did you think it was going? I didn't know. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it kind of when you break it down in the definition of you know what's what's kind versus nice versus grace. Okay, I can I can act with a fair degree of kindness in my classroom. Yes, and I don't have to be superficial. I can be absolutely genuine, and maybe I don't need to go to a level of grace with all of them. Maybe I go there with a few of them, right? Yeah, because maybe it's situational. Yeah, and it will be situational. There's going to be some students that need grace, mm-hmm. and it's like you said, it's unmerited favor, basically. So it's not like you pick your favorite student, you show grace to them, and the ones that aren't. Generally, you're showing grace to the ones that don't deserve it. Well, yeah, because that, that's you're right. Because when you start picking people whom you think deserve it, that's yeah. no longer grace; that's favoritism. Yes. So it's a fine, and that's, like, and that's absolutely wrong. It's a hundred percent wrong. Yeah, and for my opinion. But, yeah. Well, what is that? IMO. In my opinion, in my, yeah. it should be I M H O. There in is my I, humble opinion. Oh, there is an I M H O. Is there? Yeah, stick with me, man. I'll oh. keep you. I'll keep you hip. On mom, it's true. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's, that's the new saying. Is on mom, which I was like, okay. On mom. What's that mean? Like on my mother's grave? Yeah, kind of pr- stuff. Pretty much. Like it's so true that I would say that I would state this on my mother because I started getting texts from my students. I was like, I can't remember what it was. Like I'll have it in tomorrow. On mom. I was like, okay. First off. I don't understand. Why are you on mom? Like, I don't get what yeah. this on mom. What's on mom? St- what's that mean? Like, mom's going to drop you off? Like, yeah. it's so on it's, mom to get me here? Like, it's basically it's so Sanskrit that I will, on my mother, will not happen. So, wow. yeah. Maybe we'll have a little section of the podcast where we can see. <laughs> people give me problems about calling the, calling Goog the Goog. I know. We can call it whatever we want. IMHO. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, that's... And, I, I mean, just before we get into the the king is dead here, one thing I think we need to talk about, this just kind of hit me, was why do we need to be respected so much by our students when, uh, like, a lot of these instructors, and I've been there too, like, students falling asleep in my class, well, that's disrespectful to me. So why, but why is that important to me that I be respected by that student when I should be caring about why that student is sleeping in my class, maybe, as opposed to seeing it as an affront to my teaching methods? So why do we care so much about what our students think about us? It's a question, not a statement. It's more of a rhetorical throwing it out into the ether. And if you feel like answering, you can. <laughs> For me, it's easy. It's two answers. Yeah, go. Um, <laughs> ready, go. Uh, two answers. One, um, because we're control freaks. Okay. Um, and the second part is because we're control freaks. Yeah. And so I've often talked about this is that when, when tradespeople move from the field into higher education, it's a complete career change. Yeah. And they have to treat students 
differently, ironically. They have to treat students differently than they treated their apprentices. Yes, they do, but they don't. And that's the problem. Yes. Right? So when they get into this area called higher education, they they don't recognize that there needs to be a brain shift when it comes to dealing with students. Mm Mm-hmm. Some try to make a brain shift, and so they go from treating them like apprentices to treating them like their children. Yeah. And it's all about control. And here's, and here's I think, the source of it. It's fear. Mm-hmm. And so we peel back the control layer on an, on an onion, because onions have got layers. Lots of layers. Right? Ogres are like onions. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> no, 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 you got me squirrel. Um, so ogres are like, uh, sorry, th- this answer is like an onion, <laughs> where you got... You've got control on the outside, but yeah. then what? What's the control of that? Yes. Right? What's underneath that? It's fear. Yes. And so you're like, okay, so what? What's? What are we afraid of? We're afraid mm-hmm. of being judged, mm-hmm. right? We're afraid of being judged. Yep. And so, I, I'm I'm not on the the academic side of the house very often. I'm more on the tech side. I do teach in the school of business, but I'm not on the the academic side, like the hard academics, yeah. like chemistry and biology and right composition and and where you know these. These people have like PhDs and lots of experience and they've worked really hard to get their credentials. No one's disparaging that at all. Yep. And that that carries a, a lot of weight for them and a lot of value because to them they've they've given something up to get that. Right. And when they end up in a classroom from IMHO, uh, they're in a position of saying, Hey, listen, I've just spent ten years of my life getting here. Mm-hmm. You need to respect that. Right. And if you don't respect that, you're not respecting the work that I put into getting here. Forget about the curriculum that I put together and the right. textbook that I wrote or the whatever I did. Yep. But just getting there, you're not respecting that whole process. And if you're not respecting the stuff that I did and the process that I went through, you're not respecting me. Therefore, I hate you. Right. Because you're not validating me. Yep. You're not making me feel good about all the stuff that I had to give up to get here. Right. So what am I going to do? I'm going to go to the uh, curriculum or what, the Chronicle of Higher Ed and write into your student about how they don't respect me. True. But you know what? That 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 article really is just on paper what happens in every every lounge across North America. No, I agree. Right. Or in everyone's office or in the hallway or at the pub. Like it. And there's, I think there's, it's a fine line though, right? Because you should be allowed to vent. If I have a student that's frustrating, I talked to you, but we talked about a student today, but it's, how are we talking about them? Are we talking about them? Like there's another moron or are we talking about them as I've got a challenging student? So it's how are we framing them as well? Yeah, and that's and that's kind of why I look at my my role as a as a teacher or professor or instructor or whatever they want to label me. I'm more of a steward. Mm-hmm. It's a stewardship that's given to me. Yeah, and I like to use the analogy of a shepherd, not because I think my students are sheep because no. they're not, but I, I'm more of a shepherd in the sense that I'm guiding them along a yeah. path to get to where they need to be. Yes. And I understand that I'm just one shepherd in a line of shepherds mm-hmm. in the sense that I'm only with them for three hours a week yep. for one term. Yep. And we know people who are with the students for longer than that. They're with them for six hours a week for a whole year. Right. Right. And, you know, but it's the same thing. They're not with them 24 seven nope. for, you know, 18 years of their life. Their lives, they have lives outside of ours. Exactly. And yeah. so this, this whole idea of pedagogy of kindness is now really really fascinating to me because it's opened up into this area where it's really touching on my on my whole core value of why I teach in the first place. Why do I love it so much? Mm-hmm. It's because I love seeing people arrive at a, at a spot that they weren't necessarily going to get to on their own, 
but it's not because I brought a whole bunch of stuff to the table and force fed them to, to eat it and then spew it out on an exam. No. Right. Yeah, exactly. I, I love teaching for a lot of different reasons, <laughs> but, um, it, the greatest joy I have is when somebody goes, ah, I learned something. Yeah. Right. And, and I mean, we can keep going and going on that, but, um, yeah, so it's really about two reasons. It's because we want to be in control and we want to be in control. Yeah. yeah. And the the underlying root to all that is we're fear we're, we we fear being judged. Yeah. And because we we want to be good. I think 99% of those who are out in the higher ed world, uh, whether it's tech, trades, academic, wherever it is, yeah. They want to be good at their job. Yeah. And they want to be respected at their job. Agreed. And it, it the lens that they're looking through may be a little skewed or broken or foggy, right? Or, or missing. Well, <laughs> which goes right? back to like we expect, we, like I said before, like our students come to these classes with their baggage. We need to also realize, and we've talked about metacognition before, we come to our classes with our baggage. Mm-hmm. So when we get triggered by a student, why are they triggering us? Yeah, that's a good point. We need to ask those questions. Um, I think we're running up on time, aren't we? Yeah, we've got stage three to go to. I know. I don't know if we're going to be able to. Oh, well, we've got about five Bing. minutes. Dead, long live the king. Yeah, we're done. <laughs> Rats. <laughs> Next week on <laughs> Praxis Pedagogy. That's right. That's right. No, tell me what you got. So this is going to be on believing in our students. And I talk and I'm a huge proponent of collaboration with students. So co-creation, having, bringing them into the process and realizing, and it, it's a great segue from what you said, the whole idea of being a shepherd or a mentor. We're getting off that stage. We're no longer the lecturer, but we're coming down. We're facilitating. We're facilitators. We're mentors. And we're having our students engage in the learning process with us and there's so much value in that and i we will do another episode on co-creation a it's my thesis so that's something i'm very passionate about so we won't escape that one no you're not escaping sorry everybody no. <laughs> I'll, I'll hide it under another name so i get you <laughs> but and that, i'll i know there's there's so much to unpack with it i'm just going to end it with um this quote by paulo Freire, who talks about no one teaches another nor is anyone self-taught and basically what i see him saying in that is we're not just teaching our students. They're also teaching us. We're not learning this stuff on our own. We're coming together as a community. And so we need to have that mindset and see things through that lens or that framework that we can learn. And I know this for a fact that I learn just as much from my students every day that I teach that they learn from me. It might be different things. They might be learning subject matter. I'm learning more about myself and I'm learning a lot about how to teach and all that other stuff. And even sometimes about my subject matter. But there's just so much power within bringing our students into the collaborative process of their own education. A, there's studies that have proven that they learn better that way, as opposed to just having a brain dump and then puke it all up on a test. And B, it's just, it makes it a much more interactive relational process for all of us. And as soon as I started teaching that way, which I've been teaching now for 10 years, probably teaching in this kind of method, probably for about eight, it's, it's made me love teaching every, all the more. And I don't ever get bored of it. And I always have that knot in my stomach because I feel a little uncomfortable going into it because I'm bringing my baggage and I know they're bringing their baggage and there's going to be, I don't know how the day is going to go. But at the same time, I would not trade it for anything. Yeah, good point. So and what I mean by the whole king is dead, long live the king is the teacher, the instructor, the lecturer is gone. Let's get rid of that and let's bring in the facilitator, the mentor and the partnership and have that mm. partnership with our students mm. and then realize that it's a back and forth. There's the teacher dash student, not the teacher over the student. Yeah, I, I, 
here's my critical piece coming back and I'll just touch on that last piece that you said because um, I'm, I'm not sure that I'm not sure that we have to kill the lecture entirely I think we need to like if I have a three and a half hour block that I'm teaching if I lecture for three and a half hours okay now we need to kill yeah it, no right? I yeah but I, I, I see I see a spot for a piece of a lecture yes. or a part of a lecture just as much as I see a piece for experiential learning or yep. um, going out and working on a project or, you know, whatever we want, flip classroom, whatever you want to talk yes. about. Um, and all these things we'll be bringing up in future podcasts as well. But um, I, I'm not necessarily of the mindset that the lecture needs to go unless you're sitting in front of a student for three and a half that's, hours. And, and that's what I meant by that. Like you do, there is time to sit up and you have to explain. We need yeah. to have those explaining times. For sure. And because some people are going to laugh, but because I have, for the first time, I have a class body of 40 people, right? Where I'm used to 16 or 24 or even 28. Now I have 40. Uh-huh. It's a different dynamic. Totally. Right? It's different so, personality, different everything. Exactly. But I'm still using those principles of uh, think, share, uh, two, four, six kind of stuff. Yep. Um, but you make a good point. So we want to wrap up. Yep. And uh, so thanks again, everybody, for tuning in and listening to another episode of Praxis Pedagogy Podcast. We'll probably have to do point two on this one. I think so. And uh, and we'll pick up on it because or either that or we just got to expand our podcast to be like more than 32 minutes. Sometimes um, we might. Sometimes we might have to. Let's do, I think let's do a part two on The King is Dead, Long Live the King. I think that'll be the next one. Because we'll, there's just a lot to unpack in the co-creation sure. model. Okay. Good. Awesome. Well, thanks, everyone. This has been, as always, a lot of fun, Tim. Yeah. Even though you just wanted to sit back, coast, and eat pizza. Well, I did eat my pizza. I made it through. And I don't have a Coke yet. I'm going to go get one. But anyway, all that to say, until next week. Until next week. Bye-bye. Out. Get these mutts away from me, you know. I don't find this stuff amusing anymore. If you be my bodyguard, I can be your lawn.